someone once said, we are only one generation away from being a godless nation. I didn't realize it years ago when I heard that, but I see now that he was absolutely right. It doesn't take as much as I once thought it would take for a nation to fall away from God. Our spiritual freedom, just like our national freedom, is not on autopilot unless it is attended to and defended and fought for, it will be taken from us. Those freedoms, both spiritual and national freedom, they only live on and thrive when one generation values them enough to pass those values down to their children thereby raising up a new generation of people who will value those same freedoms enough to fight for them and pass them down to their children. The Bible has a lot to say about the critical importance of one generation passing down the truth of God's word to the next generation. And it's that investment in the next generation that will impact the nation and keep it spiritually strong. Can I emphasize that one more time? It is not the Republican Party that will keep our country strong. It's not the Democrat Party that will keep our country strong. If you're waiting for the right man to appear from the shadows to take the Oval Office and set everything right, you're wasting your time. Healing and restoration for this country cannot come from any person. This country, any country, will only remain strong and blessed and prosperous and free as long as the current generation values our spiritual and national freedom enough to fight for it, to defend it, to speak up for it, and to pass it down to the next generation. Christians can and ought to have a monumental influence on our culture. But the church's ability to speak truth into our culture is rapidly fading. We are losing ground. We're losing ground. <coughs> Research by Tom Rayner shows that less than 6% of churches are growing numerically. Less than 6%. 94% of churches in America have either stalled or they are losing ground. And understand that that 6% growth is not all from new converts. It's from transfer growth. From people leaving one church and going to another church, that should be net zero, and yet it's not counted as such. It's counted as church growth. 
In the book, American Grace, I want to share this quote from you. They said, young Americans are dropping out of religion at an alarming rate of five to six times the historic rate. 30 to 40 percent have no religion today versus five to 10 percent a generation ago. We are witnessing a departure from God in every arena of life at unprecedented rates today. And here's what we all need to know. And if you've never heard this before, I promise you, uh, you're going to be tempted to think that I'm a nut. Now, on some issues, maybe I'll give you a little you know, margin there. But if you have never researched what I'm about to tell you, and you don't know this, um, well, just check it out for yourself, please. Because here's what we need to know, and we'd better be alert to this. An intentional, strategic effort has been underway for many years to rewrite our nation's history by removing God from every part of it. And we're just now starting to see the results of all that on a truly disturbing scale. There are people today who have no idea that the vast majority of our nation's founders were Christ followers. They have no idea. David Brewer was a Supreme Court justice in the late 1800s. He said this, the United States of America has been so largely shaped and molded by it, he was talking about Christianity, that today all of the nations in the world, today of all of the nations in the world, it is most justly called a Christian nation. Our laws and our institutions must necessarily be based upon the, and embody the teachings of the Redeemer of mankind. It is impossible that it should be otherwise. And in the sense and to the extent our civilization and our institutions are emphatically Christian. Where did our values come from? Where did our morals come from? Where did our ethics come from? They came from Christianity. They came from the truths of God's word. The awareness of right and wrong didn't come from Hinduism. We weren't started as a Buddhist country or an Islamic country, and I'm not saying that to cause offense to anyone. I'm just telling you the truth. The morals that we have lived by as a nation, down to some of the simplest laws in this land, were put into place because they were founded upon the moral law found in God's word. A Congressional Judiciary Committee in 1854 said this, at the time of the adoption of the Constitution, the universal sentiment was that Christianity should be encouraged. In this age, there can be no substitute for Christianity. That was the religion of the founders, and they expected it to remain the religion of their descendants. Our government was not against Christianity. 
But listen, these satanic inspired history revisionists have been working steadily behind the scenes for decades now to systematically remove all of that from our history, and they've been so successful at it that there are people today who will fight you to say that America was not founded upon the truths of God because they don't know that it was. You don't get much more liberal than FDR, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. But when he looked at the history of this country and the influence of Christianity, he said this, we cannot read the history of our rise and development as a nation without reckoning with the place the Bible has occupied in shaping the advances of the republic. Where we have been the truest and most consistent in obeying its precepts, we have attained the greatest measure of contentment and prosperity. And that guy was no saint. And yet he himself had to admit what was plainly true at one time in this country. It's a simple formula. When we as a nation have conducted ourselves and our nation by God's laws, God has blessed us in unbelievable ways. But when we turn away from God and live according to our own rules, that's when we begin to suffer. We've always understood, people my age and older have always understood that Christianity has been the bedrock of our country. But where do we find ourselves today, church? We find ourselves living in a nation that has forgotten God. We are at war with God. And can I just remind everybody, you cannot declare war against God and win. Turn to Psalm 9, if you would, please. I want to show you a few things from God's word regarding this. In Psalm 9, King David talks about what happens to a nation that forgets God. And I want to start at the very end of that psalm in verse 20, to see how David sums up this whole matter that he's been talking about. Here's how he ends this psalm after discussing this subject of nations turning away from God, going their own way, being arrogant enough to think that they can run their own lives. Psalm 9, verse 20, David sums it up by saying, Put fear in them, O Lord, that the nations may know themselves to be but men. And that is precisely where our downfall begins. Proud, arrogant man has forgotten his proper place in the universe. He thinks he's in charge. He thinks he's running the show. He thinks he's keeping it all going. And so he says, get that stupid 2,000-year-old book out of my face. I don't need that. It's not relevant anymore. I will do my own thing. And David says to God here, remind the nations, God, that they are mere men. America needs to be reminded that we are just men. On his own, 
Man does not possess the capacity to determine right and wrong. If you and I evolved from apes, after evolving from some slime pond in the middle of nowhere in the universe, we would have no unchanging benchmark or basis upon which to establish immovable moral laws. What's right for you would be right. I couldn't argue with you. What's right for me would be right. And that is exactly what our world believes today. What they've forgotten is that it is God's right to tell us what is morally right and wrong. Once again, I point you back to Genesis. <laughs> I've done this 10 or 15 times so far in our series through the Bible. We have to go back to Genesis because that's where we see that God created all things. This is his kingdom. He is the king of this kingdom. He establishes the laws. He says what's right and wrong and no one else. You remove that, it's open for mayhem. It's God's right to tell us what is morally right and wrong. It's God's right to tell us how marriage works. It's God's right to tell us how sex works. It's God's right to tell us how the principles of finances and business and relationships need to work. It's God's right to tell us when life begins. But we've said, no, we will determine those things for ourselves. Our nation has declared war against God. And if we don't repent, we are going to lose. Happy baby dedication Sunday. <laughs> Bear with me. Hang with me. Abraham Lincoln said, America will never be destroyed from the outside. If we falter and lose our freedoms, it will be because we destroyed ourselves. If destruction be our lot, we must ourselves be its author and finisher. Look at where we are today in a, in, as a nation. Look at how much has changed in just the last 50 or 60 years. In 1958, a book was published called The Naked Communist. It revealed the 45, listen to this, the 45 goals that communists have for the downfall of the United States. I want to back up and say that again. The Naked Communist, published in 1958, revealed for the first time to the public, it exposed, which is why it's called the Naked Communist, this man pulled all of their documents out of hiding and made it known to the world. This book lists the 45 goals that communists have for the downfall of the United States. Their plan for our demise. And it's amazing to see just how many of the things they've had planned for us have already taken place. Here are a few examples. Number 30. Remember, this was from 1958. Discredit the American founding fathers. Present them as selfish aristocrats 
who had no concern for the common man. Look at how many libraries and universities and government facilities are removing the memory of our founding fathers right before our eyes. And it escalated in the last couple of years like nothing I've ever seen. Number 39, dominate the psychiatric profession and use mental health laws as a means of gaining coercive control over those who oppose communist goals. Number 17, oh, we don't see any evidence of this, thank goodness, get control of the schools. Use them as transmission belts for socialism. Soften the curriculum. Get control of teachers' associations. Put the party line in textbooks. Educational institutions are graduating fools today. Why? Because they re they've removed God from their education. A study was done some years back of... Uh, American social studies and history textbooks and how those books presented the historical role that Christianity has played in our nation. They examined 60 social studies and history textbooks used by 87% of public schools in America and what they discovered was this, quote, no God was being thanked by the pilgrims in the first Thanksgiving. Almost every reference to the Christian influence of early America was systematically removed. An entire generation of people now exist who have had God erased from their mind. Number 40, discredit the family as an institution. Whew, thank goodness that's not going on. Encourage promiscuity and easy divorce. The sovereign family is the single most powerful obstacle to authoritarian control. Hey, you know what? I think they might understand the Bible better than we do. They're spot on on that last statement. You see, when I was a boy, by the way, I saw that book, same cover, laying on my dad's desk. They caught my attention, obviously, it would. And there was another book laying there with also a very colorful cover that caught my eye called None Dare Call It Conspiracy. I would encourage all of you to read both of those books. Um, <clears throat> both of these books, I read them as a young man, changed my view of the world forever. I've never gotten over them. I never will. Because what I saw was it was, like, it was like I had the veil pulled back for just a moment and I was allowed to see in to the inner workings of what's really going on in this world. And the things that are in place, the things that have been deliberately set in motion behind the scenes by Satan, by the way, to destroy God and his kingdom. These are not just bad people trying to do bad things. Satan is behind this. We've seen his attempts throughout history. And as I was growing up, my father, when we were in South Africa, uh, spent hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours researching this, um, wrote a book about that thick called The History of Communism in South Africa. And when it was published, we had to leave the country. 
We were under death threats and all kinds of things. Why? Because he also exposed uh, the plan of the Communist Party in taking over the world and converting everything to socialism. These things that we have seen taking place in our nation over the decades, and especially over the last few years, are not just random chance. It's not just because things are getting worse. Things are getting worse because these plans have been rolled out over the decades silently, and we have given up, we've given up one step and said, well, it's not that big of a deal. They won't push us back any further. And then we give up another step and another step. And before we know it, we are miles from the standards we used to hold years ago. This is all on purpose. All of this that you see taking place in the world today, with Klaus Schwab, the World Economic Forum, all of this stuff that's happening in the world is on purpose. It is an intentional, coordinated plan to destroy this country and take over the world. And go ahead and call it a conspiracy if you want to. We'll see how it turns out. Ben Carson said, the naked communist lays out the whole progressive plan. It is unbelievable how fast it has been achieved. There is an intentional darkness that has been spreading over our nation for decades now. And just this past couple of years, we've witnessed an unleashing of that darkness at a rate and to a degree that honestly, I never thought I would see in my lifetime. There is a... Look, I don't know how to describe what I have sensed in my spirit the last couple of years. I've never sensed this before in my life, even when things got really bad. There is a, I believe, a demonic oppression setting itself upon our nation and removing from people the ability to reason on the most basic issues of life that used to be common sense to everyone. My mind is exhausted from talking to people the last couple of years who have lost their ability to reason. It's terrifying. We are at a very critical point in our nation. How did we get here? Look at verse 15 of Psalm 9. Verses 15 and 16. The nations have sunk down in the pit which they made, in the net which they hid. Their own foot is caught. The Lord is known by the judgments he executes. The wicked is snared in the work of his own hands. We are paying the price right now. We're just beginning to pay the price right now for what we ourselves have allowed to unfold and unroll in this country. We are now being caught in the very things that we have turned a blind eye to and said it's probably not that big of a deal. For decades now, our schools have been telling kids, you are a product of 
chance mutations. There's no rhyme or reason. There's no purpose to life. There's no higher power. You're nothing more than a highly advanced animal. That's what kids have been trained to believe. And now what's happening? They're acting like animals. And as they act like animals, we think to ourselves, well, shazam, how did this happen? We are falling into the very trap that we, as a nation, have set. I don't even have time to get into the national models that have been around for a long time that predict and forecast um, future things like sustainability of the human race um, to basically maintain itself. Um, how many people are needed, for example, in X generation to be able to sustain the previous generation in their later years with Social Security and so on. And the, the numbers we see now <laughs> have, have plummeted like below the chart. Why? They're saying there's not going to be enough people to support the upcoming generations, like by a long shot. Well, how many babies is it that America has killed? Uh, is it 60 million now? 60 million. You see, we're, we're starting to pay the price for our own decisions. We're starting to, to now be ensnared in the net that we have allowed to be set. So what happens to a nation like that? Man, I forgot to start my timer. I have no idea where we are, and I can't see that clock, so I don't care. Let's just try to wrap this up. What happens to a nation like that? Look at verse 17 of Psalm 9. Boy, this is a happy verse to read on baby dedication day. But I want you to hear this. The wicked shall be turned into hell, and all the nations that forget God. Um, the New Testament speaks of this as well. Here's an example in Romans chapter 1, talking about those who continually reject God. Romans 1.24, God gave them up to uncleanness. Verse 26, God gave them up to vile passions. Verse 28, God gave them over to a debased mind. You see, we've talked about this. God calls and calls and pleads and pleads with a, a rebellious people to turn back to him. But when they continually shake their fist at him and say, get lost, we want to live our own way, there comes a time when God says, you want to go your own way? Go ahead. I'm turning you over to what you want. Hey, can I just tell you something? The worst thing that can happen to you and me is for our will to be done. That's the worst thing. I am such a mess up without Christ. I am so far off in left field as a husband, as a father, as a son, as a brother, as an uncle, you name it. I mean, I am, I am a wreck if I do not continually keep myself in alignment with God and his word, continually come back to him and say, oh God, keep me on your path. 
But the people who just go on and on and say, take a hike, God, don't want anything to do with you, leave us alone, there comes a point when God says, okay, I'm, I'm turning you over. I'm, I'm giving you up. Wow. Verse 28 that we looked at, if you expand on that a little bit, it says, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. Don't tell me they don't know about God. Yes, they do. God put it in there, in everybody. Ecclesiastes 3.11, I think, says God has put eternity in the hearts of men. It's in there. It's just that men deny it. They suppress it. They silence it. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to those things which are not fitting. We are so far down the path of a debased mind that the church sees nothing wrong now with adopting the ways of the culture rather than remaining true to the word of God. Someone sitting right here today sent me a video a couple of months back of a church, I can't remember what state it was in, where the pastor, a man, came out in a long dress with a wig and makeup and came and sat down on the steps on the front of the stage to teach, to have story time for the boys and girls, to teach all the boys and girls about how God uh, loves to include transgender people. It just went on and on. I, could, I couldn't watch the video. I, I told him I watched like 30 seconds. I wanted to throw up. And the mom who was filming this on her phone, you could hear her through the video going, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen the videos. kind of hope you haven't of parents today who are taking their little children, three, four, five years old, to gay strip clubs, and they are putting their children on stage with the gay strippers and teaching them to throw money at them and go and sit in their lap. And the parents are just like, ooh. Listen. We are gone. You understand? Like, I, I feel sometimes like I'm in, I'm in a bad dream. Like, I'm the only one who feels this way. Talk to other people. And it's like, yeah, well, we got stuff to do, man. My show's coming on in half an hour. I got to. We're so disconnected from what is about to happen. Arizona Christian University um, said this, American Christianity is undergoing a post-Christian reformation. Rather than providing leadership and faithfulness in an age of moral decline, members of the majority of the nation's major Christian groups are rapidly leaving biblical foundations behind and exchanging traditional theological beliefs for the culture's secular values. So many churches today are so interested in being relevant and woke that they are leaving the truth of the word of God in droves. 
And I will just tell you this. When the church becomes relevant to the world, it loses its impact on the world. At the end of the day, unsaved people don't want you to be like them. Because when they hit rock bottom, they're looking for somebody who's on stable ground. They're looking for somebody who knows the truth. They won't tell you that. America is now so post-Christian that we are now the number one destination for missionaries in the world. I don't know if you can see this map. The numbers there are in thousands. There are 32,000 missionaries sent to the United States to evangelize us. Something's got to give. We are rapidly reaching a breaking point. You say, ah, America, home of the free, land of the brave, land of the free, home of the brave. We're, uh, we're a powerful nation. We will never fall. Have you read history? Empires do fall. Study the Babylonian Empire. Study the Roman Empire. Study the British Empire. Samuel Adams said this, Men will be free no longer than while they remain virtuous. Liberty will not long survive the total extinction of morals. We're living in a culture now where every man is doing what is right in his own eyes, and it is unsustainable. So, what can be done about it? Now, here's where, I thank you for bearing with me on that. Here's where I'm going to wrap this up, and I want to bring this all back to what we've just done here today with these parents and their beautiful families. Because everything I've said today ties in to what we've done here today. Look at verses 9 through 12 of Psalm 9. The Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. And those who know your name will put their trust in you, for you, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Oh, well, there's a bit of good news. Sing praises to the Lord who dwells in Zion. Declare his deeds among the people. When he avenges blood, he remembers them, his people. He remembers them. He does not forget the cry of the humble. Hallelujah. We've seen over and over in our study through the Bible so far that God is a God who is rich in mercy. He is slow to anger. He's abounding in loving kindness. He doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants everyone to come to repentance. And we'll see that again next week as we finish up the book of Amos. God warned his people again and again that judgment was coming unless they repent. But even after all that... Even after all the judgment he said was coming, we get to the end of the book of Amos and we see him still extending his hand of grace to them. It's mind-blowing. How many times has that person in your life done you wrong? And you're like, dude, I can't take this anymore. I'm done with you. Thank you, God, for not being that way. He understands that we are dust. He remembers our weakness. And he will never forget those who cry out to him from a humble heart. No matter what happens in this nation, God will remember those who are his. 
So here's the question I want to wrap all this up with today. Given all the things that are taking place in our nation, what is the calling that is upon us as the church? Because surely we must ask that. Surely we cannot just do what I've done for 30 minutes today and stand around and uh, bemoan what is taking place and just point out what is taking place. Surely we as the church have been left here on this earth to play a part in this somehow. So what is the calling that is upon us as a church? How should we respond in this 11th hour when things look so dark? There are two things that will save a nation. We see this throughout the Bible. First, oh, and we know this so well, let's try to, let's try to see this for the first time. Second Chronicles 7:14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, and forgive their sin, and heal their land. Listen, let's not make the mistake that's almost always made. God is not saying in this verse that he'll save a nation if all the unsaved people turn to him. That's not what he's waiting for. He's waiting for his people to come back to him. Look at it, the first three words. If my people will do those things, what, what does he say at the end? I will heal their land. Do you realize how much of what is going on in our country is the fault of the church? We can blame all the evil people we want. According to God... God says, you got a broken, messed up land? I can tell you why. It's because my people have turned their back on me. And I have allowed hell to be unleashed on them as judgment to bring them back to me. That's where we are. Boy, may God extend his grace another day to the churches in this country and bring us to a place where we wake up. I would think that after everything that's happened in COVID and all the lockdowns that have taken place, look, it wasn't bad in Greenville. But we, our family knows people all over the world. And I've talked to friends and pastors in Canada, Australia, England, Germany, South Africa. Let me tell you, it got really, really, really bad for the church over there. But you know what? It still didn't change us. We're still just on autopilot. Let's crank out another service. I'm just throwing this out here to you today so that all of us can be thinking about this and praying for direction. That's all. So the first way a nation will be healed is when God's people return to him. And finally, second, and here's where all this comes back to our baby dedications this morning. The other promise God gives repeatedly as to how a nation can remain blessed and remain free is if parents will raise up their children in the ways of God. I come back to Deuteronomy chapter 6, which I mentioned a few moments ago in the dedication. Deuteronomy 6, verse 6, And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, 
and shall talk of them when you sit in the house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And then he goes right on in the very next verse to say how he will bless them as a nation if they do this. He doesn't just say, I'll bless your kids. He says, I'll bless your nation. If you raise your kids in my ways, if you teach them my statutes, I will bless your nation. I will raise up a generation for you that will stand strong against the tide of sin and evil, and I will bless your nation because parents are doing what I've asked them to do. That's how God will turn a nation around. It doesn't seem possible that something so simple like raising your children for God could keep an entire nation on course. But history itself bears this out to be absolutely true. So parents, I don't mean to put a lot of pressure on you, but you got a big job. You got a big job. Slogging it out day after day with dirty diapers and dirty dishes and all the stuff. Man, that, that time of life is so busy and so tiring. You barely have time to remember what you need to do in life. But I want you to remember this, what you do every day in the mundane busyness of your everyday parenting you are contributing to the salvation of a nation. What you're doing is no small thing. You are playing a part in whether the next generation will live for God and help this nation stand strong or forget God and bring our nation to ruin. May God hear our prayer and raise up a new generation of men and women who will stand unflinchingly for that which is right and true. And may God grant to us the privilege of being a part of all this. Let's pray. Father, it's incredible how we read the Old Testament. And then we look at our world and we just see history repeating itself. It's the same pattern again and again and again. And that's not a fluke. It's because the principles, the laws that you set in place and the natural blessings or judgments of either obeying or disobeying those principles always come true. And Lord, we see today, your church, we are guilty on so many levels. And I know LifePoint can't change America, but Lord, my prayer is that your spirit would just stir something deep in the hearts of all your people in this nation. 
Bring awakening to our hearts. Awaken your church in this country. Do what you need to do to humble us that we may turn back to you. That is our only chance. That's our only chance to save this nation. God, I thank you for this sweet time this morning of dedicating these babies. And it just seems like such a horrible thing to talk about these things. And yet, Lord, right there in front of us, right there is one of the ways that you've provided to save a nation. So, God, I pray for your blessing on these parents and on all Christian parents who are striving to raise their children in the ways of the Lord. God, empower them in supernatural ways. Give them endurance and patience and steadfastness that they may stick with it and know the importance of what they're doing. And God, we don't deserve it at all, but I ask, Lord, would you have mercy on our country? We're so far gone. I don't know why you haven't set the whole place ablaze. Would you have mercy on us, God? Would you somehow turn us back to you? I pray that your name would once again be glorified, not only in the church house, but in the White House. We know that's your desire. It's our desire, too. Thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to a broadcast from LifePoint Church in Greenville, South Carolina. If this ministry has touched your life in some way, we would love to hear from you. Just visit our website at www.lifepointsc.org for more information. Or, if you prefer to reach us by letter, you can write to us at P.O. Box 27036, Greenville, South Carolina, 29616, USA. Until next time, may God bless you as you continue to follow Him. of my heart I want to see